0: Uh, Over the last couple years, as I talk with people and as I've been in ministry, I've thought a lot about the serenity prayer. Uh, And we're going to dive into that in a second, but it it came really clear to me that this prayer has this possibility to free us and to invite us into greater life. So I've called this series Tethered, uh, and I'm just excited for um, your insights as we go along with one another. As we start this morning, um, I want to invite you in one voice to say with me this prayer. God, grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, the courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. When I bought my son his first swim floaties, I felt victorious. It's the small things, right? Swim floaties are a major family transition. Swim floaties mark this moment between infant to toddler. Swim floaties mean that you get to leave behind the cumbersome and often awkward large baby floats. (laughs) Swim floaties mean possibilities and potential. Your son, your daughter can now swim and spread their wings across that baby pool. And swim floaties are exciting because they come in bold colors reds and greens and blues. Swim floaties are important because uh, this is a moment where you are able to give your child this one special thing so they can go crazy in this, this small pool. And so, as I bought him this swim floaty, his was yellow. And it had this little front part in front of it with a smiley face, and he called it his Nemo. So we would go to the pool, and season one was incredible. He was spreading his wings, he was learning how to swim with his swim floaty, and all was happy and good. Season two was great until the very end of that year when I noticed that his swim floaty was getting a little tight on his body, And then I noticed that the eyes and the body language of parents at the baby pool, they were speaking clearly to me, your son is too big for the baby pool. And this tension started to well up inside of me, this sense of distress that, oh no, we are moving to a place where we have to get rid of the swim floaties. And so as season three began, we sat down with Trey And we told him that it's been a good run with the swim floaty, And that it was time to say goodbye. And he did not take it well. I was not prepared for the kicking and the screaming and the biting that ensued in our home. He was not going to get into this pool without his swim floaties. In fact, he threw down the ultimatum. I'm not swimming anymore, Dad. And this lasted a long period because my son has a fierce stubbornness about him. He was not getting into that pool. And I remember his body had this deep sense of distress every time we talked about it. And he kept bringing it up, that dad took away his swim floaty, And this sense of pain that he had over this, it, it, it made my heart hurt as a parent. But I knew that if he stayed in this swim floaty, he couldn't grow. This was an important moment for him He had to learn to swim or he would be held back from all that he was supposed to do with his life. It's not very attractive to have teenagers and swim floaties. So in 1935, since 1935, uh, across not only America but across the world, men and women have met in Alcohol Anonymous' groups. They've met in small buildings, they've met in large buildings, they've met outside... And they meet to challenge one another. They meet to hear one another's distress and pain. But they also meet to find hope and healing. They um, commit themselves to a 12-step program. They, they're assigned a sponsor. And this is the context where they seek to get sober or to remain in their sobriety. And this group, this Alcoholics Anonymous now has many other chapters, Narcotics Anonymous, This group has changed millions of lives since 1935. And one thing that Alcohol Anonymous groups do, every time they begin a group meeting, they hold hands with one another and they say with one another the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. With this simple but profound prayer, They begin their time of sharing and caring for one another. And it's fascinating, right? This prayer is originally written by Reinhold Niebuhr, the American theologian, and it's just been popularized by Alcoholics Anonymous. And this incredibly deep and rich prayer has this power over our lives to free us, to help us to enter into deeper life, to cut away everything that has tethered us. And so... I want us to slow down in these next three weeks, and I'm I'm fascinated by its three-part structure, that it invites us to accept the things I cannot change, and then to have courage to change the things I can, and then to have wisdom to know the difference. So we'll take accepting the things we can't change this week, we'll talk about courage the following week, and then wisdom in our last time together in our tethered series. What does it mean when it asks us it challenges us to accept the things i cannot change So my son it's taken me a while to think about how important this moment of his orange swim floaty was for him and as as Stacy and i have talked about it and thought about it this swim floaty he was you would have thought we took away we took away chocolate chip cookies or oxygen from him this thing was so important. And it took me a while to understand that this swim floaty was protecting him from one of his greatest fears, water. This provided this stability in the water that he didn't have without it. But of course, as adults, we all know, but he has to learn to swim or he'll never be safe. But in a, in a kid's mind, he's not yet there yet to understand that. And so it made me think about His fear and how even at a young age, he used this orange floaty to um, protect him for what he couldn't control. And I thought about how many of us have these swimming floaties. We create these things that help us to manage our life. And, And at one time, they may have been helpful and useful. But there comes a time in our life where we have to untether ourselves from attitudes and behaviors and certain type of actions compulsive actions that don't help us, that keep us from growing. Trey couldn't keep this on forever. And so the way I'd like to say this is floaties are the way we try to control the aspects of our life that are unmanageable. Haven't we all had our orange floaties on at one time? These things, because human life, if it's anything, it's uncontrollable. There are so many things we can't change. And with this first line, the the prayer invites us to think about our human limitations. Think about all those things that as humans we don't have direct control over. First of all, we live on planet Earth, this incredibly beautiful planet, and it's growing and it's vibrant and it's amazing, but it has people, right? The first thing that we have no control over is people is humanity. We get tired and angry and rude. Sometimes we can be self-deluded, and at our very worst we become violent and hateful and hold on to long-standing grudges. We, as human beings, cannot control other human beings. We have a hard enough controlling, time controlling ourselves. The other thing we can't control is economic collapses. Recessions and depressions and layoffs and takeovers and furloughs. These are things we can't easily change as individuals. And then there's natural disasters. Hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes, tsunamis, fires, and floods. We are finite as human beings. We are limited in our scope. And the other thing we cannot control is God. As best we try with our creeds and our rituals and our um, traditions and our beliefs, we cannot contain or control God. This is not our job as human beings. And we cannot control our past choices, our debt, our careers, our relationships that may have gone bad or good. And we can't control our genetics. Each one of us has differently shaped bodies that give us limitations and strengths. We can't control, um, we can't change our family histories, where we were born into privilege or disprivilege, where we were loved or not loved, our race, our class, our gender. We were born into a family. We can't change that. We can't change physics, matter and energy and motion and gravity at work all the time. And we can't change the natural processes of life, age and growth and decline and disease. You remember Walt Disney freezing himself and with the hopes that one day he could be brought back to life. We try, but we can't change certain things. And have you ever been to the DMV? We cannot change bureaucracy. (laughs) And we can't change elitism, those people in powerful positions that make decisions for us. It is a sobering reality for us to recognize. And this first part of the serenity prayer invites us to think about our human limitations and about this finitude of this great planet we live on and how we live and we breathe, and that's a huge gift, but we are only human. And so um, what does that phrase, accept the things that we can't change, accept this finitude, this limitation, what does that mean? And in this context, this acceptance is about release. It's about letting go. It's about loosening your grip. I finally realized uh, a couple years ago that I was not in control over the pilot of my plane. I used to get anxious and worried, and I didn't like being um, all cooped up in that tin can. And then it, it, it came to me, I cannot control what happens in this plane. And I have to trust the pilot to pilot this plane. So accepting things we can't control is about releasing and letting go, loosening that grip. But what it is not about is forgetting, and it's not about denial, and it's not about weakness. Acceptance is an incredible spiritual strength. When we accept the things in this world that we can't change, we are trusting that things are not just going on above the surface, but there is a power at work underground in our life. There is a spiritual vitality that is bursting forth everywhere. So the prayer challenges us to accept the things we cannot change. And I thought again about my son and this orange floaty that he so loved. And I thought about each one of us and our own floaties. And I wondered why it is so hard for us as humans to, to control. Why it's so hard for us to release and to let go of those things we have no control over. And why it was just so hard, not only for Trey, but Hard for me to let go of these things. And I think it's because when we create these, um, these mechanisms or the, these ways of handling these things we can't manage, these things that are uncontrollable, we start to grow an identity. This Trey started to have the identity. He was the kid in the pool with the orange Nemo floaty. And we grow an identity with our decisions and in the way we're trying to manage. And then when we're faced with the uncontrollable, when we're faced with what we can't control, it's hard to give up those identities, those rooted patterns and practices and ways we have behaved for years and years and years. In 1993, Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan's father was at a truck rest stop where he was tragically robbed and murdered by two teenagers. And at this moment, Michael Jordan had just won three NBA championships. His celebrity is rising, and he retires from the NBA. His grief over the loss of his dad, this unimaginable, tragic thing that happened was so great that he left this identity, this God-given ability he had to play basketball. And then he does something that no one saw coming. He signs a Major League Baseball contract, in Chicago, and for two years he's trying to play baseball. But remember, he's terrible at baseball. I finally said it. He was terrible, and remember, he had a gift. He had something that he could do that nobody else could do. So it takes us time to let go, to release. He carried the weight of um, shame and of guilt over his dad's death. Believing that in some way he played a part in it because of his celebrity. And it took him time to be able to release that weight, to let go of it. So baseball was about this grieving process for Michael Jordan. And then he announces to the world in 1995, two words, I'm back. And everyone celebrated across America, right? Um, The good news has come. I'm just joking. Um, and, and, uh, And he wins three NBA championships in a row. And so we have a hard time letting go because we form these great identities over these things we can't control. And we start to form make believe identities, false identities, instead of the identity that God has given to us. And this, this human limitation, this identity transfer that we have, this is the paradox of Christian spirituality. It's only when we are able to admit our limitations our weaknesses, our complete vulnerability in the midst of this vast universe that we're able to find power and strength and love. This is the heart of what it means to accept the things I cannot change, to accept this beautiful paradox that my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. We live in a culture that doesn't like to talk about weakness and vulnerability. In fact, these are hard to talk about. But at the crux of our faith, the paradox is this, that when you are most weak, when you are most vulnerable, that's when you are the most strong. That's when God imparts this identity of sons and daughters, and your life has a great power that you've not known. That's when you can be untethered from all the things that have hindered you and experience growth and vitality and richness. I finally talked my son into taking swim lessons, but it was a battle let me tell you it was kicking and screaming and biting just to get him into the car it this was like this has been the parental battle of stacy and i's life and so uh swim lessons began and i'm not gonna lie i I was like in daddy get it done get him in the car and get him in lessons mode and so i got him in the car strapped him into his car seat and as we were driving i started to have this idea in my mind because i knew it was going to happen I knew he was not gonna swim. I knew he was gonna remain steadfast in his stubbornness, but I was like, here's my plan. Now dads, I, I was ready to get this done. I was gonna hold him tight and jump into the pool with him and just hold him there. Now moms, I know you're like horrified right now, but it seemed a good solution at the time, okay? <laughs> so, so we get to the pool and he does his tray antics and I grab a hold of him and jump into the pool. And Stacy's just shaking her head the whole time he was furious. He was like a little hurricane. There was no chance he was going to do swim lessons now. And so I finally, as a dad, I I had to just look and I was like, that was a bad move, a very bad move. And I looked and I said, I've got to let this go. Even if he never swims for the rest of his life, I'm not going to force him, but he's not going to have his swimmy. So so he sits down and kind of puts his towel over him like he's all angry and in the lawn chair at the pool. And I sit there and I'm just forcing myself, accept the things you cannot change. Let it go. Release this. And I watch him and um, he's got all that toddler energy and he starts wiggling and he starts moving. But I'm trying to pretend like I don't care just so that he'll, something good will happen. And I'm like literally, focus, Dale, focus. And he starts moving. he starts getting up and kind of playing in front of his lawn chair and getting, he's inching closer and closer to the pool and I'm, I'm getting more and more excited but I'm like Dale play it cool play it cool relax let him release and then all of a sudden um he walks over to me and says I'm going to the baby pool and inside I'm like no this is so horrible <laughs> this is like ten steps backwards and but I I kept it in and I'm like that's just fine Trey so he goes into the baby pool and I watch him it's one step in at a time. You can really see the tension in his little body as he's, he's touching the water and he's beginning to get used to the water. And he, he's confronting his fear. And as he gets in, he starts to play with the other little kids, the little babies. And he's getting further into the pool. And then all of a sudden, he starts splashing. He starts really swimming. And I'm like, okay, a minor, a minor victory, right? And then all of a sudden, without anyone watching... He takes uh, about 10 steps from the baby pool into the shallow end step. And he steps there into the this, into this shallow pool. And I, and I just see him like he is just in the tension of fighting this battle inside his little heart. And he takes another step and another step. And then I was so thankful his teaching instructor looked up and said, Do you want to come swim now? And he said, Maybe. <laughs> 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 and then he got him to come over. And it took a half hour of real slowness of him doing this exercise and then this swim exercise. But by the end, he was all in, he was swimming. And I'm trying to like be the dad is containing himself on the side of the pool, but because I, I just wanted to cheer. Because no one had any idea that this was a huge victory. And then he comes over to me at the end of the swim lessons and he says, my teacher says I can jump off the diving board in the deep end. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And, <laughs> he allows all of them, if they swim to him on the side, they, they put a life jacket on him. And then he jumped off the diving board in this like crazy fashion, which is very terrific, and just screaming with this joy. And I remember his delight and his joy that he had learned to let go of this thing that was uncontrollable to him. And I was able to let go. And so I wonder this morning, I wonder what that is for you that that uncontrollable thing that you have doggedly held on to for so long. Because the first step of this prayer invites us to the hard work of beginning to name and let go of whatever is scaring the life out of us, whatever we've held on to for so long. Because when we begin to let go, we begin to have life in its fullness. Amen.